So a couple of years back, I had the opportunity of visiting my old primary school, the CBS uh, primary school in Thurlis. And I hadn't actually been there since, since I left, so since I left sixth class, and I won't even tell you what year it was, but that was a long, long time ago. Uh, so I went back to visit the school, and my former teacher is, is now principal, or was principal at the time. Uh, so I went in, I went into the school, and I'm not sure if you've ever, if you've ever visited your old primary schools, uh, if you've ever had the experience, maybe you, I can imagine you have, maybe, maybe your own children went to the same school that you did. It's a very strange, it's a very weird experience. Everything looks tiny. <laughs> you know, all the tiny little chairs, those little, um, is it the yellow chairs for, for junior infants, and the, and the, is it the green chairs for senior infants, the blue chairs, then are the biggest ones. Everything looks microscopic. Uh, you feel like a, a giant walking around. I feel like Eddie walking through uh, uh, these primary schools, you know. So I went into my primary school, and I felt huge, <laughs> right? And uh, then I said, my, my teacher is now principal. Now, obviously, as a, a, a student, I, we religiously would have called him Sir or Mr. Shepherd, right? I'm not even sure if we knew what his first name was. So he, I said, oh, uh, Father Patrick, you're very welcome. And I said, thanks, Mr. Shepherd. Good to see you. Oh, just call me Eamon. And I just looked at him and said, I don't think I can. I said, I, said, I, I couldn't bring myself to call you, Eamon. I'm sorry. That's just years of training from, from when I was in primary school. He said, he, said, my, he said, my how things have changed. He said, there's a lot of lads coming to school here now. They wouldn't wait a wet week before you'll hear them walking down the street outside. Well, Eamon, roaring into the school, you know. But I, and there was a couple of things that I just found interesting about walking through my old primary school. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was in primary school, like, uh, I used to think that those basketball hoops, I used to think that they, they, must have been, they must have been 20 feet in the air, I thought. Then I remember walking along and I just picked up something and I just went, I just, just from here, like, I just dropped it in. You know what I mean? Just didn't even have to jump. They, they, they felt enormous when I was in primary school. Uh, I'm not sure if you've, if you've ever had the experience of, of coming across something that was hard for you or maybe even fear, fearful for you when you were a child, maybe at home in your, own, in your own house, the corridor at night frightened the life out of you. You know, maybe when you were a child, you'd always sprint down the corridor to get to the bathroom, you know, because you're afraid of the dark. Or maybe if, if, if any of you from the country are walking across the, the, the backyard at night when it was unlit, maybe in a storm or when it's windy and all the trees are like possessed, <laughs> you know, they're all shaking and they all want to grab you, you know. And maybe as a child, you frightened the life out of you. But then as, as an adult... You remember that you used to think this, and now you can kind of undo that fear. You can now walk across the yard and say, there are trees. Uh, they're not going to grab me. Now, if you live in a city, you probably will get grabbed, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't try this in a city. But at home, like, it's only you there and your family. You're safe. Uh, but and I've had that experience a couple of times of, of having the opportunity to undo something that was wrong like a fear of my past, or like, you know, there's this, this idea that when I was a child that, that I'm, I'll never be able to get these baskets in, I'll never reach, I'll never be big, I'll never be good enough. And then you go back and you go, actually, I have changed, I have grown. Look at me now. <laughs> or I used to be afraid of this kind of thing, and, and now I'm not. And now I have the opportunity to, to, to fix that. Sometimes we have those opportunities. This is what Jesus is doing in, in, the, in the wilderness here, but in a, in a much more important kind of a way. Our readings here are, are, are paralleled. So we've got the, the first reading where you have Genesis, right? The fall, man's fall. 
God creates everything good. God gives everything to man. Man lacks nothing. Adam and Eve lack nothing. They walk with God. They have all the food they want. Every fruit-bearing shrub, tree, and plant is theirs. They're not hungry. The tempter comes and says, is it true? We've contemplated this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. But this idea that, is it true, says the tempter, that you're not allowed to eat from the fruit of any of the trees of the garden. So there's already this kind of, there's a, an insinuation in the question from, from the enemy. God isn't good. He's holding something back. He creates all of this. It's all fantastic and you can't have any of it. Creates it all and then puts a glass window around you. Puts you into a little jar. Right? So you can see it all but you can't get to any of it. Is that what God is doing? Is that what God is doing? Really? Is that what he's doing? And he responds, no, no, no. We can, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. All of them bar one. All of them bar one. And if we eat from that one, it will kill us. We will die. And, and the tempter says, no, you will not die. But your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's. You will be like God. So all you have to do to be like God is steal from God. Take from God. Disobey God. Don't mind what he says. You know what you have to do. You know better. Don't listen to what God says. He's not good. He's not trustworthy. You want to have fun? You want to be powerful? Take it. That's the original temptation. It's very, very sinister. It's very sinister. And they do. They, they, they believe the tempter. They believe this lie that if I take from God, I will have more. I can't rely or wait on God to provide for me because he won't. So I take from him. And what's the consequence of it? Immediately afterwards, they, 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 there's shame and there's embarrassment and there's nakedness and they cover themselves. Well, they were naked before, but they didn't even realize they were so pure. There was no sin in the world. So they could look at each other in, in the beauty of, of the creation of their body and there was no sin. There was no lust. As soon as sin enters the world, now, now there's lust and fear and shame. They hide. They blame each other. And all of the harmony of creation falls apart. So what do we have here then in, in our gospel? Jesus goes into the desert, right? And the first temptation doesn't even seem that bad. He has fasted for 40 days. I mean, I can't fast for 40 hours. I've about 40 minutes, I'd say, I, I could manage. But like, 40 days, are you kidding me? That's, that's like horrendous. Uh, so he's starving. The guy is really, really hungry. And I mean, imagine like, if you had nothing to eat just for one day. Just, you know, that, you know, you, you know that feeling, that kind of mood you get? Right? After, after one day, if you skip one meal, actually, <laughs> it's probably sufficient to push you into a kind of a, they call it, I think the modern word for it is hangry, hungry and angry together, you know? You get this kind of hangry where you're just going kind to, of, oh, just, 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 just leave me alone and give me food, right? I don't, the world is on fire, I don't, I don't care. Is there a burger anywhere? You know, you just, you just, you just, I just uh, focus on food. I need food and then I can fix whatever needs to be fixed afterwards, so just give me food. So Jesus is, is weak, physically weakened, and also mentally. I mean, that long out in the wilderness, you'd just be exhausted. And that's when the tempter comes. And the first temptation, as I say, it doesn't even seem that bad. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to turn into loaves. I mean, that's, I say, that's, not, that's not bad, it's not sinful. But Jesus isn't a circus monkey, right? Jesus doesn't work miracles for anyone's entertainment. And he doesn't work miracles for himself. In, in scripture, when Jesus works miracles, they're usually called signs. 
Because the miracles that Jesus works aren't for him. They're to show that he is the Messiah, that what he says is true. But they're not for anyone's entertainment. They're not for, for himself. But they're to give credence to what he's saying. I am the Messiah. There's something bigger, there's something much more important going on here than just food or just healing. So the first temptation, like, turn these stones into loaves. It doesn't seem that bad. But what is Jesus doing? He's undoing the wrong done by Adam and Eve. Take this fruit and eat it, and you will be like God's. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into loaves. He's undoing. He has now the opportunity to, to right the wrong of Adam and Eve. Jesus is the new Adam. So he now says no. He refuses food. He refuses the fruit, if you will, that Adam and Eve should have. He undoes the wrong that they did. And then the next temptation. Uh, he's taken to the parapet of the temple. And he's, he's told, well, look, throw yourself down. God will take care of you. For scripture says he will put, his angels, put you in his angels' charge and they will support you on their hands in case you hurt your foot against the stone. You'll be fine. So what's the, what's the temptation here? The temptation here is... It, the temptation here isn't to trust in God because we should trust in God. The temptation is we've been given something by God. What do you use it for or how, how do you use it? So you've been given the gift of intelligence, for example. So because you've been given the gift of intelligence, God expects you to do something with it. Use it. Use it for good. You've been given the gift of a body. Use it. Use it for good. Use it for the service of others. Don't say, God will take care of everything, so I don't need to study. God will take care of everything, so I don't need to get up in the morning and work. God will take care of my exams, so I don't need to open a book. God will take care of my, of my marriage or relationship, so I don't need to talk to my wife. How is that going to work out? So just because God is all-powerful, which he is, and can do everything, which he can, he expects us to work with him, to not put him to the test, to use the gifts he has given us. So Adam and Eve were given the gifts they needed. They were given all that they needed to choose God and choose love. And they chose to turn their back on, on that gift of intelligence and purity and, and original holiness. They turned their back on those gifts, and sin comes into the world. Jesus writes that wrong. Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So he undoes the wrong of Adam and Eve. And finally, the devil shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I will give you all of these, he said, if you fall at my feet and worship me. Now this is the most sinister of the temptations. Now it's kind of the most stupid as well because Jesus is, there's no way he's going to fall for this one. But like, it's the most sinister. It's, it's, this, is the, this, is, this one is clearly wrong. Okay, I show you all the kingdoms of the earth and their splendor. I will give them to you if you worship me. Okay, who is Jesus? God. Everything belongs to him already. You might as well show me my car and say, give me a thousand euro and I'll give you this car. Uh, it's my car. You know what I mean? Like, why would I pay you for something I already own? Okay? So, why, so what, what's the, the problem here now? Adam and Eve were created in God's image and likeness. They were already like God, and they're tempted. Eat this fruit, and you will be like God's. They were already created in God's image and likeness. Why would they do something? Why would they 
not so much kneel before Satan, but with their will, with their desire, give, give permission, give, give, give that part of their heart, if you will, to the enemy. Why do that in order to gain something they already had? So Jesus is tempted. Well, Jesus, the, 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 the temptation is placed before him. Kneel before Satan and I will give you what you already own. At this point, Jesus, thankfully, has enough. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Be gone, Satan. Be gone. And this we can fast forward to, to, to you and I today, like where, again, no, we're, none of us are going to kneel down before Satan. That tends not to happen. But with our will, when we consent to, to sin, when we consent to do things that we know are not God's will, then that's how we give him permission to work. It's how we give him possession of a part of our heart or maybe our career or our health or a relationship or whatever it may be. Make moral compromises here and you, know, you can climb the ladder in your work. Be more dishonest or, you know, I don't go into much detail, but like sleeping your way to the top and so on or morally compromise your way to the top, all that kind of stuff. Do something sinister in order to, to, to gain what seems to be a good but at the cost of your soul, at the cost of goodness, at the cost of morality. Why would we do that? But it happens. So, our readings today are deliberately put together to show us how <coughs> Adam and Eve fall into disobedience, mistrust of God. Jesus undoes this wrong. He, through his obedience, he, through his love for God, undoes the wrong of Adam and Eve. So we ask the Lord today to help us too, to recognize any places in our lives where, where we may have made compromises and maybe we do have the opportunity to undo those wrongs, to apologize to those that we've, we've hurt, maybe even 20, 30, 50 years ago, people that we have done wrong to. Is there anything that we can undo? Can we fix these things? Can we ask for forgiveness? We ask the Lord to guide us in all things. We ask him to give us all the grace we need to say in our lives as well, be off Satan, for we must worship the Lord our God and serve him alone. Amen. <laughs>